0: Well, it is a privilege and an honor for me to be able to be here this morning and speak to you. I'm excited because this morning I have a task that has been laid before me. We're going to be talking a little bit this morning about our camp in Sparks. It's exciting because over the last 13 years, I've been Christ Legacy's youth pastor. And it has been one of my ministry's biggest honors to take your children and your grandchildren to our camp at the district. And uh, 13 years ago, our camp was located in Davis, Oklahoma, but we've since transferred over to Sparks. And if you want to know where Sparks is, uh, then you just go to Chandler and you go a little bit farther south and you get lost. And then you pull over and you call to try to figure out where you're at. And then you drive about 10 more minutes, and then you're there. (laughs) Sparks Campground, with the symbolism of God, actually triples the size of that town um, uh, with every week that we're there. And I'm so excited to be a part of that with you and with your children and your grandchildren. I want to share some statistics with you this morning. 13 straight years of camp with me, 13 mud mountain runs. Um, After Mud Mountain, an average of three trips to the Nurses Station, Um, not all of those were for me, Um, 39 Bible quiz matches, three camp champs, one Timothy award, over 300 spots for camp purchase, over 100 students rededicated their lives from our church. Over 30 students filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with first initial evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit would enable them. You might be here this morning and you didn't realize you came to a Pentecostal church. Well, that's kind of your fault. Um, But welcome to church. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean any disrespect to our friends here. Um, At least seven students called into the full-time ministry and currently serving in a ministry position. That's right. Hundreds of testimonies and countless memories. And I'm so excited to be able to stand here today and share some of that with you. I would love to invite some of our current students up here to, to give their testimony, but that would take so long. Instead, I'm going to pick on some of the adults that have come to camp with me and share some of their experiences that I did not ask their permission for. Uh, for instance, Timmy, and, uh, Timmy Nash and Colton Cloyd. Yeah, uh-oh, mom and dad are sitting here wondering what's going on. Well, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, they took a pencil, and they went on the side of a building, one of the boys' dorms, and began to write their names. mm 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 And then, because of one of the services, they felt so convicted about that that they confessed to Pastor John. And Pastor John had them walking around the buildings with their little erasers, erasing their names and anybody else's name they could find. That's Timmy and Colton Nash. If you're watching online, mm, 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 mm. but I could, I could tell you a little bit about their sisters. That's right. Their sisters, uh, Natalie Bell. All right. Where's Natalie? Natalie, there you are. Uh Uh-huh. And Kelsey Cloyd, but Bridges now, she is not here because she just had her baby. Congratulations guys. Wow. Well, they, um, and about four other girls one year got into so much drama when they were in middle school that I had to sit every one of them down in a group and tell them how they're going to start treating each other in goodness and holiness and love. Otherwise, they were going to get a spanking by their parents when they got home. <laughs> and I only had to have that conversation once. Am I, not, am I right? That's right. Um, let's see. Who else? Ashley Brooks. There she is. Yeah, Ashley, I remember whenever you were a coach with me and it was after the first night and you came and you, you, you got up and you were coming to breakfast and your hair was going every which way and you're walking in like a zombie, but your eyes were huge like you had just seen something horrible. And you said, you were, she was saying this under her breath, but she was saying this to me. She says, Pastor John. that is crazy in there (laughs) and all the leadership experiences that she got whenever she was a coach at camp. I remember Jacob Absher, Uh, there's Josiah back there. Jacob, um, he began to teach the boys jujitsu and if you've ever been a guy with me to camp you understand a little bit about flower night. We don't have to go into it but it has something to do with jujitsu and not breaking arms. all right. Uh Jared Bristow and Clay Brooks. I know Jared's not here, but there's Mr. Clay. All right, yeah. And and listen, I I love these young men. When they were um when they were in middle school, they had a little you probably don't even remember this, but I remember it clear as day. They had a little competition in middle school to see how many girls' phone numbers they could get. The problem is, is I'm pretty sure that some of those were made up. Okay. All right, all of them. But Anyway, listen, I could tell you hundreds of stories of students going and having an amazing time. As a matter of fact, let me ask you this. By a show of hands, if you remember a fun time that you had at camp, would you just lift your hand up right now? My goodness, look all over this place. And if you don't have your hand up, I feel sorry for you, but it's not too late because you can come to camp with me. (laughs) and be a coach. I want to share with you a personal story I have about me. Whenever I was a young man, it was 1992, I remember it very clearly. And I had my first opportunity to go, go to an Oklahoma district camp. It was back whenever it was in Davis, Oklahoma, the good old days. Whenever it wasn't if you were going to have hot water or not, it was if you were going to have water or not, all right? And we'd go in there, and, and we had just such an amazing time. But, you know, the, the registration was $45. My parents saved money so that they could send me to children's camp. But, see, they, my mom and dad didn't have a whole lot of extra money. And so they, it, instead of sending money to me, with me so I could buy concessions and T-shirts and stuff like that, they packed a little extra suitcase filled with all my favorite snacks. I think my mom must have, must have saved up and, and went and bought all my favorite snacks. She just loved me so much. And she, she filled my suitcase with Slim Jams and Rice Krispie treats and, and fruit by the foot. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I had candy and all this stuff. And it was, just my, it, was just, it was just a precious little thing that my mother did for me. And I brought it to camp. I remember that first night at camp after they you get done with the service it was an open air tabernacle so you're just sweating hot and, and it was um, you had to run to get your spot and you guys don't understand this but you ran with your pillow because it had wood slats on it so you put your pillow down so you had somewhere to sit because Holy Ghost services take about two and a half hours. <laughs> and then the music would stop and then you got into the altar. So so after the service, they dismiss you to the concession stand across the creek. And I, I know I'm bringing up lots of memories for a lot of people in this place. You go across a little creek, across that bridge, and there, your concession stands right there on the lower part of the hill. And then on the upper part of the hill, that's where you'd go to find a, a, a number. And Clayton was hanging out there. Anyway, um, so I, I, I went and I watched all these young people. They, they were getting nachos and pickles and pizza. And they they were coming out and they were, they looked like they were having a great time standing in line for about 20, 25 minutes waiting on their food. And I was just so hungry. It was about 11, 1130 at at night. Dinner was at six. I was starving, but I didn't have any money. So I was waiting, just waiting until I could get back to my room so I could eat some of my snacks. Finally, they let us dismiss. I went back to my room. I unzipped my suitcase. It flopped over and it was just like a sparkling treasure trove of goodness and my friends didn't wait in the 25-minute line to get snacks either so one of them came up to me and said hey John can I have one of your Slim Jams I said sure sure I said well how much I said I, I don't know you know you can have it I've got plenty I said no 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 I feel bad how much I said well, okay a dollar that's that was all I worked in I, I worked in dollars because I was a kid. And it was a dollar. They gave me a dollar. I gave them a, a Slim Jim. Another kid came up. And they, we did the same thing. Soon, all my room bought, bought stuff out of my suitcase. I, then I had my Slim Jim. I went to bed. The next night, went the same way. Service ended. Concessions were over. Then all people came back. Now, I had two or three rooms coming to me, buying my stuff. I was undercutting the concession stand, charging up the price and no competition. I made $150. Thank you. Don't worry, I'm going to take up an offering after this. (laughs) My goodness. My mom was surprised when I paid her back for camp. Um, (laughs) I could tell you a lot of stories like that. But I want to tell you a a particular story about me at camp, another one. That same week, I remember going to the open-air tabernacle for service. I remember sitting on my pillow, but I really don't remember what the sermon was about, to be honest with you. You Now, some people could say that if you went to youth camp, you'd remember what the service was by the night, because you know the first night is being saved and the second, or first night's repenting and being saved, The second night's you know, uh, one thing. The next night, Holy Spirit night. Then the next night is, now whenever you go back into the world, don't live like the devil, okay? All right? I don't remember what they were talking about. But I do remember one thing. that The speaker said something to the effect of, now each one of you needs to go find a place by yourself and pray and get alone with the Lord because he's going to specifically speak to you in your heart so I got up and I just trusted and believed I didn't doubt I just okay God's going to speak to me I remember walking off just to the left hand side of that tabernacle and if you've ever been there you'll, you can clearly understand what I'm saying I, I could look up and, and there was a, a steep mountain well for Oklahoma I looked up at the top of that mountain there was a cross that was lit up I just, I found a little spot, had a little bit of grass in it, mostly dirt. I knelt down in that spot and I opened my heart to the Lord. He came into my heart in a radical way that evening, but he did much more than that. In that moment, he filled me with the Holy Spirit. I began to pray like I've never prayed before. Tears flowed down in my face and that little patch of dirt turned into mud. I could take you to that exact spot because of this, it had so much meaning with me. Because in that moment, I also had this clear picture, this vivid picture in my mind. I, I can't describe it. I can't tell you exactly what it looked like because it was just so vivid and real and crystal to me. But the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and He said that you're going to be a minister of the gospel. 1992, I was just a kid. And I had that experience with God. And from there on, there was no looking back. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be, uh, uh, well, I for sure didn't want to be a lawyer, Dan. I didn't want to do anything else. I just wanted to do what God had called me to do. And I couldn't wait to do it. I grew up serving in the church, trying to teach Sunday school. I was in high school and I was a fifth grade Sunday school teacher. There was a shortage of teachers apparently and too much faith in a high school student. But I remember doing that. I remember serving in my youth group. I remember loving the Lord, loving people. And my parents backed me up doing every bit of it. I share that testimony because it was so important. It's because of that one prayer, that one experience at camp that I'm able to stand here today and tell you with a certain amount of conviction that camp is important. Let me say it one more time. Camp is important. You see, God calls young people to serve him. God, no matter the age, can speak even to a little heart and a little life and Absolutely, not only alter the course of their destiny, but each and every person that their life may one day touch. And that's exactly what happened in the case of Jeremiah. If you will, open your Bibles with me to the book of Jeremiah, first chapter. But I want to share with you, as you're turning, a little bit about the background story of this book and about this time. You see, a little bit more than 900 years before Christ's ministry, Israel was under such incredible turmoil. Political unrest. As a matter of fact, it was so bad that they actually split into two nations. On the northern half, there was Israel with 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel being located in those borders. But on the southern half was Judah. It had the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, most of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, it would seem that Israel would be bigger, but actually Judah was bigger because the tribe was so much bigger. And the tribe of, of Judah, or the nation of Judah at that time, had retained Jerusalem, the key, um, the key uh, town, the key city in that region. In fact, it was key because it was the proper place of worship. That was where the temple was located. So even if you were in Israel, you would migrate, you'd travel down into Judah in order to be able to worship properly. Now the problem was that that this political unrest was so great that the nation began to downsize its military and and began to rely on other foreign powers to uh, to protect them. They made treaties and other things like that. It was... It was a very difficult time. If you want to read more about these times, you can read about it in first, second kings, first second chronicles, because it, it gives you that time period where that those that nation broke into two. But you see, these these kings, especially in Judah, the kings would raise up and the king would either serve God or not serve God. But even whenever the king would serve God, the nation just seemed to always migrate into idolatry. See, the nation would worship at the temple, worship God at the temple, but they would would always want to take on the culture and the values of their foreign neighbors. And so they would go from the temple and then they would offer sacrifices to another god. I don't know if I can draw this parallel here for you today. But their nation was divided. Their values were declining and even though they said they worship God, they would also worship other things. Does anybody see any parallels right now? Their military was downgraded. They relied on peace from other nations. Folks, there's a problem here. There's a problem with the nation. And no matter what they did. They seemed to always take a step back from the truth of who God was and what God wanted to do in their lives. And so God chose to to speak in that day through his prophets. Now, it's unlike today because God can speak into the heart and life of any person because we live in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the lives and the hearts of individuals that open themselves up to him. But back then, God chose to pour his spirit out on one person and be the voice of him to the nations. And in this moment, in the book of Jeremiah, we find that Jeremiah was that prophet that God chose to call. He was a prophet that God chose to call to the nation of Judah to speak the truth in the face of everything that was going against that nation. And that's where we pick up our text. We're going to start in verse 4. So if you would, just read along with me. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, this meaning Jeremiah, Before I formed you. Somebody say formed. In the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Somebody say sanctified. I ordained. Somebody say ordained. You as a prophet to the nations. Then, Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth for you shall go to all to whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull up, to destroy and throw down, and to build up and plant. Heavenly Father, your word is true, and we receive it today. I pray, God, that you would... Root out and destroy things that don't reflect you, and I think, I thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are in the process of building up and planting your word in our hearts and lives this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. You see, God came to Jeremiah just as God comes to many of our young people today to call them into His service and ministry, and today I want to show you three things that God's spoken to Jeremiah that God is still speaking into the hearts and lives of not just young people, but into his children each and every day that they are formed, that they're sanctified, and that they're ordained. So the first thing that God said is that I formed you. I formed you. The word formed is a Hebrew word, yetzar. Okay? Hebrew scholars I'm sorry for my mangled attempt to pronounce these things. It means forming of pottery. Now this is an interesting way for for God to explain to Jeremiah his process. I'm not sure that Jeremiah would have been able to understand the the biological engineering of the properties of life and cells and, and DNA. But what... But Jeremiah could understand is this, is that God said, I knew you before I formed you. I knew you before I formed you. I, had, I pictured what you were going to be, and then I sat down. I had a plan for how I was going to make you. And then I sat down, and I began with my hands to create what I saw in my mind. And as I formed you, I gave you the shape the personality, the characteristics. I gave you the height. Lauren and I are still talking about the height thing. I gave you every part of who you are, Jeremiah. You're not a mistake. You weren't unplanned. You're not unloved, Jeremiah. I had a plan for you. And I sat down and I used my own hands and my own mind and my own imagination of infinite possibilities and I created exactly what I set out to create. Now, there are people in this room right now that are having an ongoing conversation with the Lord God and you're upset, you're mad at Him because you don't feel like He did a very good job informing you. You may be confused. You see, this nation and our culture is feeding into a lie of the enemy that would tell you all these different mixed messages of who you were created to be and what your identity is. Gender identity, cultural identity, political correctness. All these mixed messages trying to govern and try to shape who you are. But I've got news for you, young people. I've got news for you, mom and dad. I've got news for you, grandparent. Lord's already shaped you. He's got his fingerprints all over you and all through you. It's already done. He's got an identity for you. And all you have to do is come to the creator and find out it who he's created, it's not an opinion, it's a fact, it's a a foregone conclusion because he's already known you before he sat down to, to create you. You might be confused about who you are. As a matter of fact, each and every one of us is confused about who we are. But as you grow closer to Christ and as you grow closer to your creator, you'll discover who you've been created to be. He's formed you. This is a message that our young people need to hear this morning. You're not, you're not dumb. You're not, you're not stupid. You're not ugly. He's created you to be beautiful and, and intelligent. He's created you to do great things. You have his identity you share it in his dna so don't believe the lies of the enemy any longer any longer but god didn't stop there he wasn't just he didn't just tell jeremiah that he was formed he said that he, he was sanctified jeremiah was sanctified sanctified kadesh to be set apart and consecrated set apart and consecrated You see, when we come to the Lord and we believe him with our faith, we put our faith into him. The Lord sanctifies us. It's a fancy word that means set apart for holy use. Now, some of you may not understand that. Maybe as a Christian, you need to understand that a little bit more. Because you see, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Let's say that again. Let's just all together just say that. Like we're a children's church. We're supposed to be in the world and not of the world. of the world. And as easy as it is to say, sometimes it's hard to live like. Amen. Now, I would love just to say, I'm talking to all my middle school students in there, in here. I, I would love to say that this is a lesson that just high school students need to learn. But this is a lesson that we need to learn all together. Because when we go to our place of work... We fall into hard habits. When we go online, we can say some things and do some things that are probably inappropriate, that that look more like the world and less like us. But what we need to remember, what we need to remember, is that we are supposed to be set apart and holy. The salt and the light a city on a hill so that God can use who we have created to be to be the example of the world you see our minds are holy second corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 i don't have it on the notes please forgive me it says it tells us that we are to take every thought that we have every thought and hold it captive on the authority of the lord jesus christ you might have lived a very long life and been tormented by your thoughts, and maybe someone has not had the opportunity to inform you, and maybe this shatters your previous thoughts. But you have the ability to control what you think about. Somebody needs to tell you that, because the devil wants to say, tell you this morning that you can't control yourself. That. There is an enemy of your life that would try to tell you that you cannot control how you feel. That you cannot control how you act, react, that you cannot control what your mind thinks about. But the Lord tells us in his word that we are to take every thought and hold it under the obedience of a king. That's what we're charged with. You can't do that. It's true. It's an impossible task if you go about it without asking the Holy Spirit to empower you. And it's true. You can't do it. But when the Holy Spirit gets in, involved in your life, you can do exceedingly abundantly more than you could even ask or think. And if you have that one thought or that those ten thoughts that keep running through your mind that you cannot control, you can ask the Holy Spirit to come in and empower you. And I promise you, when the Holy Spirit stands behind you, you can Look at those thoughts in your mind and command them to be obedient to God's word. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Our bodies are holy. Our bodies are holy. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That we're supposed to treat our bodies right. That we're supposed to honor our bodies because they have the fingerprints of God all over us. And we're not supposed to just do anything that we want to because our bodies are not even our own. They're His. I sound like I'm like 85 years old up here, but I, it's true. It's true. Even our emotions are holy. Proverbs chapter 29, 11 tells us, and this is a quote, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man holds it back. That's biblical. There's some people, in now, I see a lot of nudging going on right now. But we, we have to, as a body of Christ, learn how to control our emotion, emotions. That means that when we're afraid, we have to decide that we're not going to be afraid anymore right now. That, that means whenever we want to react and maybe even overreact, we have to hold ourselves in check because we know that that is not how the Holy Spirit would have us act. That means that that when we when we are dealing with grief and struggle and, and and hardships that means that we can have the maturity as as Christ followers to go and seek help when we need help because God has given us more more than just the holy spirit. God has given us the ability to be able to lean on other people in the body of Christ to receive help and healing. Sometimes God uses other people to heal us. I want to tell you that that Miss um, that Jolita Nash is absolutely a, a blessing to our church and our district for the grief share program and the wi- widow ministry that she offers. When you are grieving and dealing with pain and suffering in your life because of the loss of a loved one, God has not just given you the word of God, but he's given you a community of believers. and He's given you leaders that you can depend and count on. Our minds are holy, our bodies are holy, and our emotions are holy. We've been sanctified. But you know, I am willing to believe that Jeremiah knew that he had been formed, that he had been sanctified. I mean, honestly, Jeremiah probably knew these things. Even at 17 years old. See, I want to share this with you because most scholars tend to think because of the dates and references that are given previously in the first chapter that Jeremiah was actually only 17 years old whenever he received this call. He knew that he had been formed by God because he was in the tribe of Benjamin. He, he heard the stories. He knew about the deliverance. He knew it all. He knew that he was sanctified because he knew what it meant to be a priest. He, he knew what it meant to, to live differently than the culture around him. Even the, the pagans inside of the culture knew what it meant to be sanctified. They knew. But here's the part that Jeremiah didn't have. And I believe, and I'm willing to believe, and I bet you are willing to believe this as well. You're sitting out there, and you knew that you were formed by God. You knew that you had been sanctified by God, that you have been called to live differently than the rest of the world. But here's the one thing that many Christians miss, that they are ordained of God. Natan, to set as a purpose, a purpose. See, it's it's not just enough for you to know that you're a Christian, that you are created by God. It's not just enough for you to know that you're supposed to be a good and decent Christian person and a christian many people have believed that for a very long time in their life that as long as they go to church as long as they act nice to others as long as they give in the offering then that means that they're a christian but god has something so much more planned for his believers for his children and young people if you're sitting out and listening to me today don't miss this point god has ordained you god has ordained you See, we see in verse 10, this is what Jeremiah was ordained to do, to root out and to pull up, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. I would say that there are people in this place that don't know what you're ordained to do. Perhaps... You have never experienced the Lord coming to you in a powerful way and sharing with you what he wants your life to look like, what you are to do. You say, Pastor John, I've never heard an audible voice of the Lord. I haven't either. But God can direct, God can guide your steps, God can create into you, build a platform inside of you that can do nothing but do the thing that he's called you to do and do it well. And can I tell you that whenever you are obedient to Christ, it can be scary. You can be afraid of it. You can, you can, um, uh, you can have some anxiety and some, some fear because, to be honest with you, faith requires you not to be able to see what's in front of you, but to act in obedience anyway. And whenever you begin to act in obedience, God will meet you in your obedience and cause you to do things that you could never even imagine. And have success and victory over your life. I'd like to say that, that Jeremiah understood what it was to be obedient and see success in his ministry. But Jeremiah may, thinking in my mind, I think Jeremiah might have been the most unsuccessful prophet ever because his message was always received in anger and bitterness. In regret? Nobody ever listened to him. As a matter of fact, he got banned from coming into the, into the throne room to speak to the king. And so he would always have to send a messenger to the king because he was not allowed to even speak to the king anymore because the king didn't like what he had to say. But Jeremiah was obedient and because he was obedient. God used him in a mighty way. And no one could say that they didn't have an opportunity when God came in judgment. You see, at the end of Jeremiah's ministry, in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, so many people have this posted on their refrigerators or on their walls. You have it memorized in your heart, but I want you to let this sink into you. Jeremiah understood that God has a purpose for your life because he says, quoting God, Jeremiah said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Let me pause right there. There are people in this room, you think you know the thoughts that God has for you. You think that God doesn't like you. You think because you've been through all of your life and it's been a struggle one after another that the thoughts that God has towards you are judgment. And anger because of something that you did in the past. But you don't know my God. Because he says, I know the thoughts I have for you. Remember, God is speaking to the nation of Israel, or Judah, through the prophet of Jeremiah, who has has held back, who has been deep into idolatry, who has not served the Lord in an honorable way. And Jeremiah is speaking to the nation of of Judah in this moment, and he says, uh, through the the Lord, and he says, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. There are some people in this place that don't believe that God has a future and a hope for you. You don't believe that God has thoughts of peace for you. But I've got news for you that God not only formed you, not only sanctified you, but ordained you for a purpose, and his purpose is a good one for you in your life. And when you begin to walk in obedience in his purpose for your life, you will never, ever regret it. You won't regret it. In just a moment, Pastor Brooks is going to come up, and he's going to speak to you about what we can do as a church to partner with Christ's Legacy and the District of the Assemblies of God right here in Oklahoma about supporting a camp that gives our students the opportunity to hear a message like this four nights in a row, gives our students an opportunity to dive deep into his word. It gives our students an opportunity to be around hundreds of youth pastors at the same time. I mean, you cannot swing a dead cat without hitting a youth pastor at that. I mean, to tell you, And they have an incredible time out there. As a matter of fact, our students are gonna be going to camp June 14th through the 18th. It's gonna cost $185 for each one of these students to go, and that includes all of their food, that includes their transportation, that includes their their stay there, all of their activities, and that also includes the fact that they're not gonna be with you. (laughs) Somebody's excited we have limited number of boy and girl spots and we usually sell out. But see, the district has laid this challenge on our church and and on every other church in this district that we are simply just to look at the number of students that we have in our church, elementary all the way up through high school. And for each and every student, we give $400 in support of the camp. And if every church does that, then our camp is paid for then for generations and generations to come, there's going to be more stories that come out of it. And not just chasing girls' phone numbers, okay? Not just, not just what they ate at the concession stands, but real testimonies of real experiences down at the altar where they made mud pies with their tears because of the Holy Spirit messing their plans up for the future. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit messed my plans up. And I believe that our students need to be messed up a little bit by the Holy Spirit. Claudia and I, we we have three younger children. None of them have been to camp yet. Not kids camp. We've already given enough for five students, pledged enough, we've already given enough for five students to be benefited by this program. That is hopefully not a prophet saying that we're gonna have five children. I need to take a knee. Somebody said just two more? Are you serious? but I believe in his Holy Spirit and I believe in an opportunity to bless children. So I, ask, I want to ask you to do one thing before we watch a video about our camp. I just want you to consider this. Are you willing to help one student experience a call like Jeremiah experienced?